listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in today. Um, This is a very, very interesting subject, why you should be angry, why you should be angry. Now, before we get into why you should be angry, I want to kind of debunk the myth, you know, because we do understand that the Bible has a lot to say about anger, a lot to say about anger. And I want to give you a few of those verses and I'm going to kind of go through them. I'm not going to necessarily ask you to turn there, but you can pop the references in the comments section. But I want to just read a couple of things that the Bible says uh, about anger. Uh, and then we're going to talk, to talk to you about why you should be angry and when you shouldn't be angry. But, but anger is actually a power that you can walk in that is actually positive. Yeah. That will cause you to walk in miracles, signs, wonders, and breakthrough when you understand how to properly harness the power of anger. But let me read to you uh, first with James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now watch this. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man. Now that is a phrase I want you to remember. Because there's a difference between the anger of man and the anger of God. There's a difference between the anger of man and the anger of God. And so if you, those of you that are watching, you can pop it in the comments. Um, the anger of man versus the anger of God. The anger of man versus the anger of God. We're going to be breaking that down today because there is a difference. And I'm not teaching you on this broadcast um, to walk in the anger of man. Because as you see what the uh, book of James says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And obviously, just like Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if you want to seek the righteousness of God, you can't walk in the anger of man because the Bible plainly says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So you have to understand there is, number one, a difference. There is a difference. And I I see people putting it in. The anger of man versus the anger of God. So let's get into this. What does the anger of man produce? Um, we'll look at, look at um, Proverbs 29 and verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A fool gives vent, full vent to his spirit. You know, the Bible says a lot about that. Foolish people just say whatever they're thinking all the time. And it's funny because... You've seen as well as I have. There's people like, well, that's just me. And if you don't like me, you want me to change so you can be my friend and you don't love the real me. Well, it's not about loving the real you or not. It's about when you become a Christian, you're supposed to conform into the image of Christ by the fruit of the spirit. And so if you go around with that carnal mindset, well, you don't love the real me because you want to change me to be somebody you can. No, it's not about that. It's about the fact that all of us should be coming, be becoming more like Christ on a daily basis. Right. And that's by the fruit of the spirit. If you've never heard me say this, I refer to the fruit of the spirit as the personality traits of Jesus. They're the personality traits of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, faith temperance. Against such there is no law, Paul wrote. And so understand the fruit of the spirit are the personality traits 
of Jesus. So it's not that like, well, you got to change me in order to love me. No, Christ is changing us. We're being conformed to the image of God's dear son. The Bible says that's Christ. And so it's, it's not that it has nothing to do with us trying to change people. It's about the fact that God changes people. And the Bible teaches a fool literally just says what's ever in his mind all the time. Quickly gives full vent to his spirit, the Bible says. Um, uh, Carolyn, do, do Proverbs 16, 32. Can you see that there? Yeah. Um, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So you understand that. The Bible's saying there's actually full strength in being able to control your spirit, control your tongue, control your life. That's a fruit of the spirit, by the way. It's called self-control. Self-control is powerful. And there's, if you've heard me and uh, Carolyn teach on the fruit of the spirit before, you'll know we've taught self-control. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's the it, most important fruit of the spirit of all the nine. Because with that, everything else comes into mm -hmm. line. You can't walk in love when your flesh doesn't feel like walking in love if you don't have self-control. You'll just smack somebody. And that's, you know, that's not what God's called you to do. Um, doesn't mean <laughs> they don't deserve to be smacked. True. You Many just people have to deserve to be smacked. <laughs> There's a lot of smackable faces out there. So we're not saying they didn't deserve it. Listen, you just got to hold it if back. If you know what we're talking about, somebody throw some emoji hands up in the comments. There's a lot of smackable faces out there. Uh, but we don't smack them. It's not Christ-like. Um, or is it? We're going to get into that today. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7:9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Now see, still, we're still here talking about the anger of man. We're talking about carnal anger, the anger of man. Right. Um, so he said, don't be quick to come angry, become angry in your spirit. Anger lodges. Look at all the hands. People are like, yes, there are smackable Judy, faces. My assignment. God. <laughs> but understand, the Bible is very clear on this. It was my hand. <laughs> she knows. The Bible is very clear on this. That it's better to walk in self-control. Do not be quick to anger. Do not be quick to anger the anger of man. Look at this. Even, even commanded by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do you know there's one scripture in the New Testament that says uh, that you're to make room for one another's faults. That's the New Living Translation. Make room for one another's faults. So just because somebody makes mistakes or they irritate you or they annoy you, that doesn't give you the right to then fly off the handle and start screaming at them and getting all upset. The Bible says, number one, make room for one another's right. faults. But Paul said here, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving as God forgave you. So because we're being more like Christ, then we're understanding that with people, that we do everything we can with people to treat them kindly, to walk in love, walk in peace as much as possible, the Bible says, and understand that we forgive. People make mistakes. You know, that's, the, that's a problem we have in, in America and in, even in the church. People hold grudges like nobody's business. Well, do you know? And they, then they start fighting and they've been, they've been feuding for four years and they don't even remember why they started the fight. They've yeah. just been feuding. They get bitter. Then you get family feuds in churches. You walk in churches. unforgiveness. 
And unforgiveness is a dangerous, I mean, it's, it's not, what, not what we're talking about today. But, but it's, that's what it, anger of it, man lodges it, into. It is demonic because it will hold back answers to your prayers. Uh, you'll get sick in your body. I mean, it yep. opens a bad door to a lot of evil things. And it, people don't think, they're just thinking, you know, well, I'm just going to stay mad at that person or unforgiveness. But yep. it, it's extremely dangerous. I've and it's a life killer I've to not Christians. be forgiving to somebody, no matter, no matter I've what they've done. I've heard Christians actually say, I'll never forgive that person. I know. Oh, keep on talking like that and none of your prayers will be answered. None. Because, I want to show you this, because Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, every faith person goes there to quote this about prayer and faith and moving mountains. Uh, and we just, we, I covered this in depth in the, in the mountain moving faith course, but they always stop at verse 24. And that's not where Jesus stopped. <laughs> he kept teaching, but look what 22 through 24, you know what it says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it'll be done for him. Verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And then they stop and shout. and Everybody dances and has a praise break. Let me keep reading because Jesus <laughs> had a, cave a caveat to the end of this. He said, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who's also in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So don't expect mountains to move and, and seas to part and miracles, signs and wonders to happen if when you stand praying, you won't forgive. You gotta forgive, you've gotta walk in love. You know why? Because Galatians chapter five and verse six says, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Whether you get an apology or not, yeah. you have to forgive. <laughs> you've gotta forgive. You've got to have love working if you want to have faith working. That's how it works. You know why? God is love. The Bible says that in 1 John. God is love. And so you can't walk in the power of God right. if you don't walk in the power of love. That's how it works. And so love. Now, yeah, Denise said my favorite is I forgive them, but there are no <laughs> buts to forgiveness. Either you forgive or you don't. That's exactly right. You either forgive or you don't forgive. And so I want you to see this with me here. And if you're just logging on, you haven't got a chance to share, take a minute to do so because this is a powerful, powerful subject. So we already know that there's a difference between the anger of man and the anger of God. So the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And the Bible says that, um, and I read it to you here from uh, Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, uh, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Okay, so let's ask ourselves a question. Was Jesus a fool? No. Jesus was extremely and supernaturally wise. But did Jesus become angry? Absolutely. And I'm going to show it to you from the Word. Not only did Jesus become angry, but the Bible teaches that God gets angry. And has been angry. And in one passage of the Old Testament, it says God is angry with the sinner every day. So understand, God gets angry. But is God a fool? Absolutely not. So obviously, Ecclesiastes must be talking about something different than what Jesus did, what God did, and even what the Apostle Paul did, and others in the New Testament. Other apostles. So obviously, all anger is not foolish. Because if all anger was foolish, 
Jesus, you'd have never seen one passage of scripture where he was angry, ever. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, this Bible is completely inspired by God. It is inerrant. There's no error in this Bible. Every word is breathed out of the mouth of God. Did you know that there's a Greek word in the New Testament that's only used one time in all of the New Testament? To, and it's, it's used to describe this word. It's what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired. The word inspired could be more literally translated, all scripture is God-breathed, because the Greek word is theonostos. It's two Greek words put together. Theo, meaning God, and neustos, meaning the wind or the breath of God. Smash them together, God's breath, theonostos. God's word is theonostos. It is breathed out of the mouth of God. And Jesus said this, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, because they're eternal. So when you see the Holy Spirit inspire the words that Jesus was angry, the Holy Spirit is letting you know that it's not, it's not the, uh, some issue on part of the translator. Well, they said angry, but it really just meant he was angry. No, he was angry. And if Jesus was angry, then, it's not, then it must have been either that the Bible's, uh, one of three things is true. Either Jesus was a fool, like the Old Testament says, or number two, uh, Jesus was not really angry, it meant something else. Or number three, there's a different kind of anger mm -hmm. than the anger of man. And that's what we're gonna deal with now. Because my wife and I have learned, uh, that's, Andrew's asking a question, let me, let me answer this for those listening to the podcast. Um, if you forgive someone, do you have to fully trust them again? No. You, you actually don't even ever have to hang out with them again. No. But you can forgive them, not hold anything against yeah. them in your heart. It doesn't you know, mean you have to continue being friends or hanging out. Or even trust. At, at some point, you just realize that there's a difference between love and forgiveness and wisdom. You know, if... Trust and forgive, forgiveness are not the same thing. Yeah. So you can... Not at all. Forgive them and... If you every just time I see someone, they punch me in the face, <laughs> I can forgive them. I have to say, like, I understand he's got issues in his life. I forgive him. <laughs> But I'm also not going to keep hanging out with the dude. I forgive him. I, I know. <laughs> I understand issues. it. But I'm not going to keep coming to your house. Every time I see you, you punch my face. Wisdom says, stop going to the house. But forgive them. So you don't have to trust them again. That's, that's, you just use wisdom. You use wisdom. So let's... let's um, yeah, that's not full forgiveness. Candace said, what do you tell someone who says, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget? You know, it's just, you know, unless they're talking about what we were just saying, you know. So let me, let me get into this. The anger of God versus the anger of man. And uh, I'm going to have my wife read from Mark chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Actually, you could probably read the whole passage. You already there? I was. Wow. That's what I got in the car on the way over here. Oh, <laughs> that's look where at, I was going. The unity of I was going to jump in and look, say it. Look at the unity of God. <laughs> I'm so thankful for an anointed wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's good to have someone who's anointed and pretty. Because, you know, you could have one or the other. I'm going to start reading now. now hold on. I want to talk no, about this. We're going to Mark 3. I heard Jesus went into the synagogue. He had to choose between two women. 
One was anointed and could play the piano and sing like nobody's business, but she was ugly as sin. And the other woman was gorgeous, but she really didn't have any Holy Ghost fire or anything in her spirit. And he had to choose between the two because he was a <laughs> oh, minister. Lord, have mercy. And so finally his spirit went out and he married the ugly one that could play the piano, sing, and was on fire for God. And he said the next morning after their honeymoon, he rolled over and looked at her and he said, Sing, baby, sing. <laughs> but thank God for a woman. <laughs> That's not just anointing. You're nuts. But she's pretty. You're nuts. Mark chapter three. All right, three. we're moving on. And let me just Jesus say here, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody's truly ugly. Okay, that's some people are close. All right, go ahead. Mark chapter three. So. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. Now here's five. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Now look at that. Jesus was angry. Clearly, Bible says it in every translation. He was angry in this story. And it was not the anger of man. I want you to know that. This was the anger of God. This is what you could call a holy anger or a righteous anger. Or what you, you may have heard referred to as righteous indignation. You can have a holy, righteous anger. And you know how it proves that it was a holy anger? Because what did Jesus do? Did, he was angry, but in the midst of him being angry, he still healed yeah. The man's hand. That's right. So it shows that it was a holy anger because he was still operating in the miraculous, but he was yeah. ticked off Not at the mention, religious leaders and how they were acting. Not to mention, Jesus never sinned once in his life. So being angry is not a sin. You need to understand that. Being angry, and I'm talking about, it, it, literally, even if you have a natural anger, it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to act in anger. I want you to understand the difference. It's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to act in anger. And that's why James says that we should um, be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, James 1.20. So understand, it's about what your uh, emotions and your, your state of your spiritual being produces out of your life. The Bible says that you can't have, uh, you can't produce uh, good fruit from a rotten tree. So what Jesus is saying is you have to fix the root. The root has to be fixed because you'll, you'll start producing fruit from your life by what's inside your life. And so what you end up having happen is if you allow anger to fester, the anger of man, if you allow it to fester in your life, you'll start producing actions that are backed by anger. And that's why the Bible mentions other things. Like um, when you go to the other verse that we, that we dealt with, uh, in Ephesians, where Paul said, um, let all wrath and anger and clamor be put away from you, because what, what you end up having happen is your anger will start to produce wrath and vengeance on other people. And that's not your, that's not your place. God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not yeah. yours, it's God's. Yeah. Wrath is not yours, it's God's. 
He vindicates the righteous. You don't vindicate yourself. God does it for you on your behalf. Let me tell you, I'd much rather have God fighting my battles than me do it. And so when you allow man's anger to fill you up, then you'll produce actions of anger, wrath, vengeance, all these other things. It's not for you to do. Paul said, treat each other kindly and live peaceably as much as possible. So Jesus was acting in godlike anger. This was a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. And how do you know? Number one, he never sinned. Number two, look at why he was angry. Here's a man who needs healing. This is what Jesus came to do. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. So you know that that was Jesus' whole purpose, to make right the things that the enemy made wrong. Yeah. He's the redeemer. And how crazy to have religious leaders yeah. not want somebody to walk whole. It's stupid. So it's a, it is an evil spirit. I mean, that religious, religious spirit, spirit is an, is evil, an spirit. evil spirit. To, to want the opposite of what God has intended for us to have is an evil spirit. Because it's also an, a, a spirit of manipulation and control. Yeah. Well, if I can't control how it's done, then it's not going to be done. No, hey, it's not all demonic. girls that have a Jezebel spirit. Yep. You can be a male and have one too. <laughs> we better not save him here. <laughs> and so understand what Jesus was doing. Jesus was angry because they, their actions, their words were contradicting the plan of God for this man. Contradicting and literally trying to fight against the plan of God for this man. You can see also, if you go to Luke 13, you'll know the story of the, the woman who was, uh, the Bible says that she was bent over double. She was literally crippled in a crippling condition. And when Jesus was made aware of it, and it was the Sabbath day, when Jesus was made aware of it, he had to make her whole, had to make her, uh, make her well, had to heal her instantly. And uh, they were mad about it on that story too. And he said, let me ask you a question. Is it not right that this daughter of Abraham receive her healing? I like that he said that because he was making a point here. He was saying the fact that she's a daughter of Abraham means she's in covenant with me. Right. And now that I've been made aware of her issue and I'm in her presence, our covenant states, I've got to make her well. I can't leave here and not make her well. And literally, you foolish Pharisees would love for her to stay crippled because... It's the Sabbath day. That is total religious yeah. garbage. And Jesus didn't put up with it. And he got angry about it because he was sent to, to not only seek and save those that are lost, but to heal those that are oppressed of the devil. That's why you have to get that holy anger and understand what we're teaching today. Because even, you know, I say this all the time that even a cold, it violates my faith. It upsets me so bad. A simple headache, you know, you guys have heard me teach on this before, a simple headache, even my children telling me they have a stomach ache. It's not like, oh, let me coddle that. We're going to get rid of it immediately. Right. I take the same action I would if I heard my children had a disease versus a cold. I'll take the same action. You know, last night, even Teddy had a, a tummy ache and he came and he's like, my stomach hurts. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to throw up. I was like, you're not going to throw up. He's like, I'm not. I was like, you're not going to throw up. And, and, and he goes, can you heal me? 
<laughs> he said that? Yeah. He goes, can you heal me, mom? And I oh. said, well, I said, Jesus heals you. That's he uses sweet. me to lay hands on you, but Jesus heals you. He's like, he, go, he leans against me and goes, all right, heal me. <laughs> that is the, I didn't know he did that. At the table sweet, last man. night after he had the pizza, he goes, all right, heal me. That and then, and so it's like you, you, you build that in your children, but you have to get that violent faith at the small things. Don't ever wait for the things to get big yeah, right. or a root that's there till it gets, you know, overbearing and you're in crisis mode. We never have to wait till crisis mode. No. We can nip it in the bud right then and there and get rid of it. So you have to get that holy anger because that's what I'm saying. A cold ticks me off. Yeah. Anything, an ache in my body, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it yeah. sets me off. I like, I get so angry at it because I don't want Anything to mess up my day that's not of God. And then talk anything about why. that's going to stop, stop, talk, hinder anything. Talk about the revelation you had that when God began to show you that it is truly um, a trespass on your covenant. Yeah. That it's it's literally the devil illegally doing something, trespassing on God's actual property. Well, you know, the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. Mm -hmm. So I am a child of God. I should not have to beg for my healing. Yeah. It's already mine. It's already mine. And that's what we have to get, that it is a trespass on God's property. <laughs> Made me think of that song. Yeah. But you, you said that because you, <laughs> you, read that cool. you read that verse that was a revelation to you uh, where David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Right, and then I connected it with children. The bread is, is a healing for our body. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you go through the Bible, give us this day our daily bread. That's a daily healing. You yeah. wake up every morning and you get fresh healing, fresh bread, fresh provision from the Lord. And so you have to, that's what I was saying earlier about getting, even if you got two verses and you connected them, you get that light bulb of revelation over your head and realize like, my kids don't have to, you know, constantly, you know, ask for healing in their body. Instead, in our house, we thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping us whole another month. Yep. Thank you, Lord. Every night at bed, we say, thank you, Jesus. You know, we stay in a constant state of thanksgiving and praise mm -hmm. for divine healing. We are called to walk in divine healing. We can do it. He made our bodies. He made us to walk in divine healing. That's right. And so... Something that he's called us to do, he's equipped us to do. Amen. So if he's equipped us to do it, then we shouldn't walk anything less than what God's equipped us to do. He's equipped us to carry the blessings That's of God. Right. He's equipped us to have enough financial uh, money. He's equipped us enough to walk in healing. Yes. He's equipped us to walk in joy. You know, that's how he built our bodies. Yes. That's how he built our bodies. And that's why when I, I came up last night and said, you know, our bodies don't know how to take a weight. We don't know. How, we're not built to carry this burden and this weight. We, we crumble. We're called to carry the blessings of God and have the yoke broken off of us. Come on. We're not called to carry. We, we're not we're not equipped to do it. That's why our bodies and we know how to operate better in the joy and the healing and the provision that God has called That's us right. to walk in. Yeah, absolutely right. You have to understand, and this is number one, <clears throat> anything that contradicts your covenant, you've got to get righteous anger about. Because here's what happens. I was reading a book not long ago. It, was like, it wasn't even a Christian book. It was a book written by a professor at the uh, Wharton Business School of the University of Pennsylvania. His name is, uh, 
uh, I'll figure it out in a minute. It was J Dr. Jonah Berger, there we go. Pulled it right out of the uh, yeah. vault there. Uh, Dr. Jonah Berger wrote a book called Contagious. And the, really the book was about why anybody would share an idea with anybody else. However, after 10 years of study on the emotions of men and women, they were surprised to find this, that every emotion that a human being has causes them to go out and take action except depression. And what was very interesting that if you're in love, you go do something about it. If you're excited, you do something. If you're happy, you do something. If you're mad, you do something. But he said, when you get to depression, people retreat and close themselves in. They don't do anything. But what was interesting to me that he talked about anger. And there was a section, section in the book where he talks about how anger is something that provokes people to action. You know, if people don't get it, it's, it's like, you know, the, the, anything that allows you to become, to put you in that state of um, emotional discomfort. You think about something like, uh, have you ever been irritated by something, but until it irritated you to the point of anger, you didn't do anything to change it. Have you ever had, even, I'll give you a simple example. You ever been trying to go to bed and there was some rogue fly in your house that kept landing on your nose every time you almost dropped off to sleep? It's like you're sitting there and all of a sudden he's like, Zzz, and he's on your cheek. And they're like, give me a break. You swat it off. You're very tired. All of a sudden, you, and then all of a sudden, again, hits on your face, hits on your arm. And then by the time you get up to actually do something about it, you've gotten so irritated at this fly that you don't reach for a swatter, you reach for a 12 gauge. You know, there's a problem there. It's like, I'm so sick of this stupid fly. What, what caused you to get up and move? The anger, it irritated you so much. I'm done with this. I'm doing something about it. And people, now watch this, because this has happened so much in the body of Christ, we see it all the time. People get this thought process, this is just how life is, and I've got to accept it. People get sick and stay sick. People get depressed and stay depressed. People go through times of long periods of economic failure and uh, uh, financial lack. And, and then what happens is the devil makes them feel as if this is just how life is, and you just got to learn to accept it. And so what happens is when you accept mm -hmm. something that contradicts your covenant, You'll never do anything to change it. So you'll just come up with some theology that says, well, you know, maybe this is just God putting this sickness on me to teach me a lesson and make me a stronger believer and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's not the word, but you've created a doctrine so that you can literally nurse your issue because you think it's normal. It's not normal. And you've got to learn how to get angry about the things that contradict your covenant. That's why she said even a cold, because a cold is contradictory to my covenant. Yeah. I'm not called to walk in colds and flu during flu season. I'm not, I'm not called, I, I shouldn't have, listen, it angers me to even think. I should not have to, as a redeemed believer, have to go down to a pharmacy and get a flu shot during flu season. What in the, what, what, what in the heck is my redemption even for? If it's not functional, I had to use the edit button. What the heck is my, what is my redemption even for if it's not functional? Well, why do I have a redemption if it doesn't work? But this is also the, the funny aspect of it. People will do that. You know, they run down, they get that, or they get the latest whatever, Zycam, this, that. And it's like, but then they're, they feel like they've got the authority to take out something greater. Right. 
You're going to get a flu Listen, shot, then you're going to play, practice play, on a cold first. Yes. Because if you want authority over cancer and you want to have authority over this disease and authority over, you know, glaucoma and authority over this and that, and you're coming, I'm going to come to the prayer meetings and I'm going to, you know, be on the prayer team. You better be able to cast out a cold before you think you're going to cast out cancer. So I'll, you got to start. Go than that because, see, you have to develop your authority as an individual. Authority doesn't just lie in one realm. There's people that think they can cast out demons. Their own kids don't even listen to them. That's right. Absolutely. I kids hear crickets in this place. Yeah. It's quiet. At? Where's the shouts? Hello. <laughs> kids on leashes at the mall because they won't listen to their parents and stay right here. Don't you move. No. So they got to get their kids on a leash. You got kid, we, she saw a girl the other day in a ballerina outfit with a little tutu and leotard <laughs> slap her mom's face in the checkout line because she wouldn't buy her what she wanted. She went into intercessory prayer just I having was. flashbacks of her I was childhood. like, look at these Snickers. And look, let me, let me organize this lip gloss that's right here. I mean, like, <laughs> no authority. <laughs> and then at the ballet studio, I was like inches from this mom. And this girl came out yelling at her mom, acting like her mom got her the wrong leotard on purpose. Yeah, she was like, knew. you knew this wasn't going to fit me. And threw her shoes and her clothes in her mom's lap. And her mom just taking it and not inches away. And I'm like. Oh, I need Brooklyn to come out now because I'm starting to see stars. I'm going to take this girl out. And her mom's like really low, doesn't even correct her. She's like, you're, you're really loud in here and looks down. And the girl yells, I don't really care. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. I'm, I'm literally like off my seat like, is Brooklyn going to come out of her class soon? Because I got to go. Like my heart's beating fast. My face I'll is turning red. I'm getting ready that? to stand up to her little 12-year-old daughter. I, it, it blows my mind. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. People have no authority. People have no authority, and they think they're going to speak to a demon. And the demons are laughing at people. It's like your own kids. That's why it was, by the way, you think I'm just making this up. It was a prerequisite in the Bible for anyone to even be a bishop or an elder in yeah. the church, a deacon. You have to be one that rules your own house well. Right. And the Bible literally goes on to say, because if you can't rule your own house, how can you rule God's house? So it's like, it's like common sense stuff, but people don't have authority. And they're wondering why. Why, why, why can't this stuff, why can't I get free? Build some supernatural right. authority and get angry in the Holy Ghost and tell the devil, you're not trespassing on this. You're not coming in this house. I'll kick your behind out so quick, you'll wonder what happened. Right. Till your head spins. Absolutely. You've got to get a gangster mentality in the Holy Ghost and get ready to smack some demons that think they're going to trespass on your covenant. Well, that's like what Jesus did in the temple. They're trespassing. We're and, going there. And are, are we going yeah. there? John Look at that. Let's go there. Gospel of John, We're going chapter there. I just two. thought of it. <laughs> You're going. Right now, I'm just going. <laughs> but it, seriously, he, they are sitting there. You know, making the house of God look like a, a fool. den of thieves, the Bible says. A fool. It was foolishness. And, and he went it, in there. It was even more than that because understand what was happening if you read the history of it. These, God had already set the prices on sacrifices so that everybody could sacrifice unto God. Not just the rich. Everybody could give a sacrifice unto God. These greedy beep, 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 beep. sons of guns... I was we're changing, the same word. <laughs> we're changing the prices on God's people <laughs> so that they could pocket the excess money. And it ticked Jesus off. And so Jesus comes in, and I love that he does this. Because 
let's before I read this, let me just um, let me just remind you once again: Jesus never sinned. So before we read this part, just remember something: Jesus never sinned. Uh, this is John chapter two, verses. Uh, let's read, starting verse thirteen. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Mindy, just tell them I'll bite your finger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, and this was a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament, zeal for your house will consume me. He didn't just flip the tables, he made his own he spanking whip. He made a customized <laughs> whip just for these... He was that ticked. Jesus Christ <laughs> didn't just give them a beating. He gave them a custom-made beating. He formed, a, the Bible says he braided his own whip. Braided his own whip. And when he was done creating a custom, it was like, it was like if you're from the South, Jesus told him, pick your own switch. Ooh, go, out to the, go out and pick your I own switch. I had that lots of times. And God help you if you live by Believe a willow not, tree. This angel if you live, is an angel. If you live by a willow tree, you were done for. <laughs> Because those long, bendy branches never break. <laughs> that was like, usually the breaking of the switch was the end of the switch. Do you know spanking. what? I'm better for no. it. I'm better for it. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> and, and understand this. Understand this. Jesus braided his own whip and beat these men out of the temple. So any painting you've ever seen of Jesus that made him look like a little feminine fairy, that was not who Jesus was. Jesus was a man that worked with his hands, worked construction, carpentry, if you will, and then went out and was a man that was authoritative enough, strong enough, with fire in his eyes to beat full-grown men out of a building and never sinned once in his life. Why was he doing it? It was the anger of God. And the disciples actually remembered the prophecy about him from the Old Testament, zeal for my father's house will consume me. Yeah. What was happening? Why was Jesus angry? Because they were stealing the ability for people to properly sacrifice unto God. And in that time, with the law of Moses, if you couldn't do that, you couldn't do anything. There was no season of grace. Jesus hadn't died yet. His blood was not shed yet. You couldn't have that personal relationship of covenant with God through Christ's blood. That wasn't available. All you had was these sacrifices that could cover your sins for a portion of time. That's all you had. And these greedy men, for their own personal gain, were changing it up and causing the house of God to become a den of thieves. A den of thieves. You know, that's why I don't agree with it. You know, the house of God is not for personal gain. It's not for you to hand, hand your Amway card out to everybody in the lobby and to make network connections. Amway. and come. You know, it's not for that. It's not for that. No, it's not for that. And there and should be a certain like, way people act within the sanctuary. Absolutely. When the Holy Spirit's moving. Let me tell you. Kids when running I was a kid, around and yelling and acting crazy. You have to honor the house of God. When I was a kid, I made the bad mistake. Of, <laughs> and I was in the basement of the church, like on cement with like all the other. We had this group called the Royal Rangers. It was like the Boy Scouts 
for the you know Christian Boy Scouts. And uh, I just made the extremely bad mistake of spitting on the ground in the basement on cement. It was like you know it was it was I was in the sanctuary or I was spitting on the altar. It was like in the cement corner of a downstairs basement. My my commander, my Royal Rangers commander, told my father, "Your son." spit on the ground of the church when I got home. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I will never again spit, not only in the church, I've given myself a buffer of about 500 yards around any church that I will never, ever again uh, spit. Why? You honor the house of God. You honor the house of God. These men, these men were so vile and so greedy and so uh I'd call them heathens, that they turn, they turn God's house into a place where they could use the systems of God, the sacrifices of God, as a way to make personal money for themselves. It's demonic. And Jesus said, let me help you out here. And he literally helped them out of the building with a whip to their backs as he drove them like cattle out of his father's house. And so understand, Jesus didn't sin. No. But, but it he teaches operated people in the anger a love of God. and an honor and a respect That's for right. the things of God. By him doing something like that shows us how we're supposed to behave and be in God's house. Now keep in mind, Jesus is God. I, that, this is a very important point because I'm not teaching you to go make a whip and beat people out of the church when you see an Amway card. That's, <laughs> not, that's what I'm teaching. Remember this very important point. Jesus is God. So... The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Jesus could do that and it not be sin because he is God. But understand, as I read to you from Ephesians, listen to this. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that uh, we should learn how to be angry and do not sin. That's Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. On your anger. So this is once again man-made anger. We're going back to man-made anger. Even if you do fall into a place where you give into your flesh and you have an issue of anger, maybe you say something to your husband or wife that you shouldn't have said, make sure you make that thing right before you go to bed at night. Don't go to bed angry at each other. My wife and I have made a point of that because, you know, she has a bad temper. I'm very mild, but she has a very, very vile temper. <laughs> and uh, people call us Beauty and the Beast, but no one else is allowed to call her Beast but me. But anyway, there's, a, there's no. We, we, we're two strong people in a marriage. And so there's going to be times that your flesh tries to rise up. But we have made an agreement that we'll never go yeah. to bed angry. If there's ever an issue that we have in any way, we will make it right before the sun. You know, like the Bible says, don't let the sun go down. Why? Because what ends up happening is the more you allow that to happen, it builds up layers and layers of hurt, yeah. bitterness, problems, and then marriages grow further and further apart. And then it doesn't, like, you may have had this happen in your marriage. Then, like, there's a disagreement about something, and all of a sudden it turns into a fight about something that happened eight months ago. You're like, how did we even get here? <laughs> how are we even talking about but this? That was to, long over. Yeah, it wasn't over. It look was at in it here. as a seed, because every word out mm -hmm. of our mouth is a seed. That's right. And so you have to look at it as the longer the seed is in the ground, yes. the the roots begin to grow. So that's exactly why he's saying here, don't let the sun go down. You've got to not even let that seed get planted in the ground. 
Because once you sleep on it, mm -hmm. and then you go the next day, everyone goes to work, and, and we've separated talking. for another eight hours. Then we come home, and then we don't have time to talk about it because we're making dinner, and we're busy with our kids, and we're going to let this move but on. But you can feel the coldness that's yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you're, you're allowing that seed to be planted in the ground and the roots to grow, and that's what it's saying. It's like once those roots get attached, like don't make more work for yourself right. to get rid of these things. Don't make more work for yourself. Because yes, God can restore things. Yes, we, you know, things can change in a moment. Yes, you know, anything can be changed. But sometimes <laughs> it takes a lot of work to get to that point. Totally. But you don't have to have, you can get rid of all that work and all that long hours of praying and all of that things, you know, that were said and then now forgiveness. All of that could be nipped right at the beginning by just by obeying that verse and not letting Letting the sun go down on your anger because like I said once that seed is out there you can quickly just get it out of the ground real fast and then destroy it and then it doesn't have to be moved on past that point but once you keep letting that time water it and the roots grow that's when it becomes dangerous so I want to give you four reasons why it's okay to be angry we see God angry for these reasons we see Christ angry for these reasons and it's all right to be angry and not sin about it but be angry to take action supernaturally it's all right to pray in anger. You pray in righteous anger. It gives you a violence in faith. It gives you a fervency in prayer when there's a righteous indignation. Um, number one, we see Jesus was angry because people or things were trying to contradict his covenant with God or someone else's covenant with God. We saw that in Mark chapter uh, 3 when he was trying to heal the man with the withered hand. They didn't want him healed. You can be angry if something tries to contradict your covenant. Sickness tries to come on your body. An enemy tries to attack your finances, tries to attack your mind with depression or anxiety. Anything that comes against your covenant, get angry about it. Because when you get angry about it, you will work to change it. You will enforce your covenant rights and you'll step out in faith and do what God told you to do. And you won't put up with the devil's nonsense in your life. So number one, be angry when something contradicts your covenant. Number two, Jesus was angry in the temple. Anything that's a violation of God's holiness, anything that's a violation of God's system or his way, get angry about it. You don't have to put up with the, I mean, you have dominion. Don't forget that. You have dominion and you have authority. Anything that, that, that uh, literally, and I take my dominion in public. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about when I say that, but I don't allow foolishness to go on around me. I don't care if I know the person or not. I've been at places before. She's been with me. And you got some foul-mouthed guy that's like 21 years old dropping F-bombs left and right. And I'll tell him, hey, be quiet. You see my kids sitting right here? Be quiet. Close your mouth. And if you think I'm joking, look at the fire in my eyes. And let me tell you what they do. They be quiet. You can take authorities. Well, it's free country, you know, free speech. Yeah, go do it somewhere else. Because while you're here, I have dominion. I have authority. Be they're, quiet. They're not taking into account who's sitting around them. No. So. Yeah, exactly right. It's called tact. Genius. And so you take authority, you take dominion. Jesus was angry because of this lack of holiness and commitment to the systems of God. And I don't have it. That's not a sin to tell someone to be quiet at all. Head walking love. Yeah, exactly. It's like ridiculous. You think I have to sit there? So you're telling me me as a person that wherever my foot treads, I have dominion. I have to sit there and listen to garbage while my little kids are sitting there listening to F-bombs being dropped. I don't have to put up with that. I don't care. I've done it in movie theaters. I've done it at the mall. I've done it at fairs. I've done it everywhere. Arter, you're telling them the same thing. 
And so same response. Understand that. <laughs> number so that's number two. Number three. Second reason that you should be angry is with anything that's trying to push um, unrighteousness upon you. The enemy trying to bring you into a place of disobedience to God's word or instruction, written or spoken to you, or your family. You know, the Bible says God's anger was kindled against Uzzah in 2 Samuel 6 when they were bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And he said, don't touch the ark of the covenant. And so understand what happened. The oxen stumbled. The ark looked like it was going to fall. And he disobeyed God's clear command, reached out and touched it. And God struck him dead. And the Bible says, and God's anger was kindled against Uzzah. Why? Because he clearly and violated the clear instructions of God. And so anything in your life that's causing you to try to violate the instructions of God, get angry about it. Yeah. Get angry about it. Even if it's with your kids. My kids will live holy in Jesus' name. Absolutely. My grandkids will be holy and separated unto God. I will be holy and separated unto God. And anything that tries to pull me in another direction is going to get, my anger will be kindled toward that thing. And I will actively destroy whatever that thing is that's pulling me into. Yep. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's leaving my house. It will not stay in my house. You understand? So it's very important to understand that you have the right to be angry in a holy, righteous indignation. Nothing wrong with that. There's no sin. Another one is this. Any, and this is the fourth one that I told you I'd give you. Anything, go to Acts 13. And I'll let, I'll let you read this, Carolyn. Acts chapter 13. This is the story, before we pray, this is the story of Paul preaching the gospel to Sergius Paulus, the governor, while Elimus the sorcerer is trying to tell the governor, don't listen to what he says. He's lying to you. This is all fables and false. It was a demonically inspired man trying to deceive an unbeliever who was hearing the gospel and they were about to be saved. And so Paul was not happy. He was ticked off. And so you know what he did? Called the curse of God down on the sorcerer. Go ahead. You have that passage open? Um, Acts chapter 13 as Paul's preaching to the, the governor. Yeah, from there. Which one do you want me to start, start with? Four. And end where? This is Acts 13 and 4. Um, and end right at the uh, 12. Go 3 to 3 All right, 12. so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the islands of Capri. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached, uh, what is it, Papos? Yep. Where they Paphos. met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar... Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus. But he had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus. So when an intelligent man, uh, who was an intelligent man, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of God. But why do I have to read all the weird names? Who is it, Elimus? Yes, the sorcerer as his... <laughs> Names in Greek, interfield and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. 
Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked at the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead them. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. You see that? So, Paul was not walking in love according to the grace message that's being preached today. Paul just turned the other cheek and walk in love, buddy. You know, there's going to be people that don't agree with you. No, he said, you son of the devil. <laughs> and that's not something you say when you're, when you're uh, not angry. <laughs> Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? And then called blindness down, blindness on the man. And the man was instantly made blind. You know, people are so dumb that they like, like try to explain the story away. Well, you know what happened was when Elima started doing that, God took his hand of protection, you know, off of Elima. He's like, why, why do you think God's hand of protection was on a sorcerer? Let me tell you what happened. Paul cursed him. God made him blind. God made him blind. Now, for those of you that, are, that don't understand that and say, well, I thought God only does good things. Let me explain a concept to you. It is always good when God judges the wicked. Yeah. Always. Yes. It is always good. God is just. He is holy. He is righteous. It is always good when God judges the wicked. Yeah. Always. That's not an evil thing. It's good. In fact, one of the biggest things I've ever seen that shook my faith to a new level. I was watching Bishop David Oyedepo when the, uh, the Fulani herdsmen and the Boko Haram were slaughtering Christians in Nigeria. This was like last year. And I watched a prayer meeting they had in their church that most Americans would not understand in any way, shape, or form. And so you understand, vengeance is the Lord's, right? So understand Bishop Oyedepo and his church of 500,000 people were not going out with machetes and killing Boko Haram members and those that were Fulani herdsmen. They're not killing them, murdering them. But what did they do? They held a prayer meeting asking God. And I, I, I've never seen somebody pray with this level of, of, of the gift of faith. And I don't know if you saw this service. He prayed with such a, I've never seen anything. I felt such a, it, it hit me in my spirit so hard. And he began to cry out to God, like Paul here. I command every member of the, of the Fulani herdsmen, every member of Boko Haram, to be struck blind in the name of Jesus Christ, just like Paul did for the sorcerer. These, now, now, I want you to understand this because this freaks people out in Western Christianity. But there's a big difference between an unbeliever and an enemy of God. Right. Sergius Paulus was an unbeliever. Elimus was an enemy of God. What is the difference? Someone, the, the, the unbeliever needs the gospel. The, the wicked men and women that are actively opposing the Most High God and know what they're doing need to be moved out of the way. Yeah. And it's not my job to move them out of the way. I don't go out and kill them. That's against the word of God. You don't murder people. But, you, but what did God say? He said, uh, vindication. I'll vindicate the righteous. He, he said that I'll be the one that pours out my wrath. He said, vengeance is mine. It's not yours, it's mine. So if I pray and ask God to do what he said he would do, that's his own word. I'm, I'm standing on his word. These are people that are capturing babies, kids, women, and literally mutilating them, cutting their heads off and killing them in, in mass in these nations. In mass. 
It's not God's plan. And so it's not against the word of God. You can get angry about those that have come to destroy the work of God on the earth. God has an agenda to reap a harvest of souls. And he has a covenant to protect his people. Even in the Old Testament, Psalm 91, the Bible says you'll not have to fear the arrows that fly by day and the terrors of the night. No, because God will have his angels protect you. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things will not touch you, says the Lord. That's an old covenant that's worse than what we've got now. You can stand by faith and pray. And he began to pray, Lord, not only did he say that, he said, Lord, I command them to be blind. And he said, and Lord, I, I command all of their women to be barren, not to be able to have any children born into that nonsense and that violent culture of extreme radical Islam. I mean, he began to pour the curse of God out. And if you think that's not real, then just read through the New Testament. What do you think happened to Ananias and Sapphira? That was New Testament stuff, Acts 5, after the resurrection of Christ. And they lied to the Holy Spirit and were instantly struck dead. Struck dead. So... Let me just tell you, you can be angry about what the enemy is trying to do against the body of Christ. And people don't, people don't pray kingdom prayers enough. Too many prayers are about me, 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 me. Start praying for the kingdom. Because Jesus is the one that said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when we pray this year for kingdom prayers to be, to be prayed, all of us that are standing together, I'm praying prayers like this, God in Jesus' name. Blow your breath from yes. heaven and blow every wicked thing away from your people. Blow every wicked thing away from your church. Lord, every enemy of the church, every enemy of Christ that would stand and try to actively oppose the agenda of God on the earth, I, play, I pray that by your holy fire and your spirit that you would, number one, expose every trap and enemy of the church this year and strike it down with your mighty right hand and let the plans of the wicked come to nothing in the mighty name of Jesus. And you think God won't answer those prayers? Trust me when I tell you, God vindicates the righteous and he has vengeance in his mighty right hand. Amen. And if you think just because we're living in a dispensation of grace that God's not uh, judging things that are happening in the earth, you've not read the Bible. And you can get angry about this. Sit back and say, well, you know, that's just how it is. And these, it's funny. Western Christianity, you start talking about this. I've lost 12 viewers just by talking about this. Because people, they can't catch it. They don't understand it. They go, well, I don't know what he's preaching now. He's got into some other kind of doctrine. It's in the Bible. Read your Bible. And it happens all through the New Testament. Because God is a righteous judge. And yes, living a life of sin will send you to hell by the end. But God will help some people get there more quickly. Because you know what? He cares more about. Let me give you a verse of scripture to back this up. There's a harsher punishment that comes upon people who pull God's precious ones into sin and into death. And Jesus said it would be better if a millstone were hung around your neck and you'd be cast into the ocean, then you'd cause even one of my little ones to sin. Yep. God loves his people. God loves his people. And let me just tell you, it's not wrong to get a righteous indignation in your spirit, a holy anger, yeah. and begin to pray that whatever sets itself up against God's people in this year, every antichrist agenda and spirit, Lord, let it be exposed and strike it down 
by your mighty right hand. Yeah. In Jesus' and name. And don't get more angry at the natural things because I know very well if somebody was to come and try to kill you, try to steal from you, and try to destroy you, you guys would do something about it in the natural. But the Word of God says in John 10, 10 that the devil comes to do those things, to kill, to steal, and destroy. So we have to get that violent faith, that violent, that holy anger that we've been talking about today. Because he, you know, things will happen and people don't even remember that verse. They'll quote it their entire life, but they have to realize the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's not a gentleman about it. You don't treat him like a gentleman. You have all the power. So get that holy, righteous yes. anger inside of you today yes. to stand up to him. You have all the authority. Yes. You have all the power. Yes. So, there, I mean, he, sh he shouldn't be able to do anything in your life. That's right. Because you have the ability to take him out just with a word. That's right. Just with a word. Candace, if you want kingdom prayers, go to the Miracle Word app. If you don't have it, you can go to the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, search Miracle Word. Our app will come up. Inside the app, we have over 100 prayer points with scriptures included that you can download and that you can use to boost your prayer time and your devotional time. It'll bless you. And we provide that for free for you. So go grab it. We've got to go. I've got about five minutes. I'm going to be back on with Pastor Brian Wright at 12 noon. But let me just say this before we go. Uh, we want to encourage you to sow a seed today. Listen, God has a plan to bless you in 2020. It is our year of violent increase expedited favor. We've already had testimonies coming in uh, via social media, email, all these things that are happening. People are being blessed supernaturally. Someone just gave me a testimony yesterday, last night at the church service. She said, uh, our, our, our company told us, every one of our employees, we hire you to, be, to fill a position. There's no room for you to increase in the business. There's no room for you to have promotion. There's no raises. You do the work we hire you to do, and that's all you get. She submitted an application. She said, I want a raise. I don't care what you say. I want you to give me a raise. They contacted her this week and said, we're going to give you a raise, and your raise starts next week. And so one after the other, testimonies are coming in. The man in Atlanta, he signed a contract that tripled his income for the year in one contract. I'm telling you, God will do the same for you. Yes. So Barrett, throw that lower third up if you have it. Those are the ways you can sow a seed if you'd like to do. Thank you, Brian, for sowing a seed from the front row. Love you. Remember, um, Philippians 2.5, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. That's right. And that's exactly what we were talking about today. You must. That's right. Not if you feel like it. <laughs> that's right. You must have the same attitude that and Christ had. And there's no Don't greater feel bad attitude about of giving than what Christ had. He yep. gave himself. His entire life was given away. He was a, not only was he a seed, he was a sower. Yep. And so you can go to miracleword.com. You can partner there. You can sow a seed there. Um, if you like to use apps to give, we receive all of them. PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. If you use Cash App or Venmo, it's MWGive. You'll see that on the screen. PayPal is info at miracleword.com. And if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you know you can put hashtag donate in the comments section and so directly from there. If you'd like to send a check, as some people still like to do, you can go onto our website and the address is at the footer of every page where you can mail it and make the check to Miracle Word Ministries. Everybody that sows 100 or more this month, we're sending you this book called God's Chosen Fast. It will bless you immensely by Arthur Wallace, one of the greatest books. I think it's the greatest book written on fasting and prayer ever. And uh, if you'd like to claim this, you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, give us your address. We'll get it out to you ASAP. And then every person that's sewing a thousand or more this month, we're sending you a genuine leather 
Life Application Study Bible, New Living Translation that I'm signing to you and your family uh, just to say we love you and appreciate you standing with us. So thank you guys so much for sewing. We love and appreciate yes. you. I am so blessed to have my wife on the broadcast with me today. I love this woman. She'll be back again tomorrow. Sure. Won't you? Why not? Yes. And uh, so join us. Don't forget, tonight at 6.30 p.m., tomorrow again at 10.30 a.m. with uh, me and the beautiful Carolyn Show. And anointed. Oh, thanks, babe. We love you guys, and thanks for hanging with us. Have a powerful and a blessed Thursday, and we will see you very soon. Love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.